any moment now. He's a coming. Who's coming? The doctor. You. You are the doctor. Yep. And I always will be. But times change. And so must I. Welcome to Bear Pile, your pile up of everything geeky and berry. My name is the Yeti, and I'm your mom bear for the evening. As always with me, I have the lovely, the talented, the beautiful Jonathan Moore. Hey, I guess that makes me the baby bear? Yeah, I guess that would make you the baby bear. We'll live with it. Uh, and with us, joining us this evening, we have Jared. Say hi, Jared. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is my very first Bear Pile. Glad to be here and to express my views on Doctor Who. And we also have R.C. with us tonight. Say hi, R.C. Evening, guys. Nice to be here. And I, I'm actually, uh, this is not my first time on Barrel, or not just first time on Barrel Pile, but first time on a podcast. So great, hopefully a great experience all the way around. Excelente. So as you previously heard, our subject tonight is Doctor Who. Uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about Deep Breath, uh, which everybody but me got to see. And, and guys, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, Spoiler alert, turn the podcast off until you've seen it. Yes. It's a free it's a series yet. Yeah, so, um. yeah. I, I just have to sit through the spoilers. So uh, let's start off. Let's start by talking about what you guys thought of the episode. Um, RC, why don't we talk, why don't we start with you? Um, I probably watched it a little bit differently than most people. Uh, knowing that we were coming into this discussion, I specifically watched it looking for ties back to some of the older series. Um, I loved some of the references they were pulling in, like when uh, Capaldi was actually scurrying around in uh, the alley looking for clothing. He made the comment that he needed a really long scarf, and then, no, that would be exceptionally stupid. I got uh, quite a bit of a kick out of that. Um, I got It was really frenetic all the way around. Um, A lot of energy. They didn't really let it die, I don't think, at any point, which was very nice to see. Um, seems like some of the Moffat episodes tend to like, dip in the middle. Yeah. And we really didn't get this on Deep Breath, so I think, it was a, I think it was a strong season opener all the way around. And it was an exceptionally long episode, too, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, taking commercials out, it fell just over 90 minutes. So yeah. that's that's good that it was able to it had enough material to just shoot all the way through. Very much, very much so. Okay, uh, Jared, what about you? Uh, well, I actually um, caught a pre-screen uh, error of this episode about two weeks back, so I've had a couple weeks to actually digest into the episode. Um, unfortunately, the screener didn't have all the CGI off-screen dialogue. And it was all in black and white, so it was uh, very nice to actually see it fully done. Um, the dialogue was was great. I love what they're doing with Clara this season. It, they're definitely totally rewriting her character, I think, from this complete blank slate that we've had for all of 6B due to the whole ongoing mystery of what is Clark, who is Clark, and, and just seeing that done differently without that mystery being right on there is a nice breath of fresh air, as you would say. Breath of fresh air, would you say? I would say. (laughs) Um, I'm still on the fence about the new opening, um, which, you know, you haven't seen yet, obviously, but I'm sure everyone else can agree that the new opening is a little bit different. There's actually a reason behind that. Um, It was not originally designed by anyone at the BBC? No, it was a, a YouTube uh, fan. Is yeah. From what but I've Moff- Moffat apparently caught wind of it, and he said it's the only original thing he's seen ever, really. You know, usually it's just flying through through the time vortex, so 
he liked that it was different, you know. Okay, Jonathan, what about your thoughts on the subject? I liked it for the most part. I had a couple issues. I didn't understand Clara kind of turned... She, 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 you're right, she was rewritten like she had never met the doc. Like, like she knew about regeneration because, remember, she, at, in one of the final three episodes of, I forget which one, but one of the final three episodes of, I think it was... Name of the, of the doctor. Yeah, she said she said something to the effect of, so all those are you. Yep, okay. She knew about regeneration, yet she acted like she had never heard of the concept before. I uh, think the whole thing with, with that where Clara had seen the other regenerations of the Time Lords was that Trenzalor was always a fixed point in time until the Time Lords actually bestowed the next cycle of regenerations. It was always made to look like the Doctor's final battle would always be on Trenzalore. The TARDIS, you know, lost the uh, expansion circuit and made it so huge, but that was all semi-rewritten during the events of uh, Time of the Doctor that, you know, Clara would never have known or seen the regeneration of the 12th Doctor. I, I have to agree with that because she even makes a comment during when she jumps into the doctor's timeline that she's always there and is constantly dying. Uh, I mean, good Lord, we got to witness two of those deaths. So I'm having to wonder, granted, yes, she's aware that all of those are him, but at the same time, she's probably never actually seen one of the regenerations. But I was kind of under the impression after, after the doctor went and rescued her and pulled her out, that she retained the memories. Was I mistaken about that? Or retained at least some sense of it? She definitely retained the memories. But at that point, even in the Doctor's future time stream, we have to assume that the events of the crack and the Time Lords giving the Doctor the new cycle of regens were not present in that actual time stream. Wibbly-wobbly, you know, classic Moffat. Well, and, and, and the other thing that I didn't like was, can we talk for a second about the call? You know, I think that, that while I understand why I did it, I felt it took away from Capaldi. I felt like, like, like they didn't trust Capaldi to stand on his own as the doctor, so they needed to reassure the audience by reassuring Clara. But I think they didn't trust Capaldi to be able to walk on his own, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with Capaldi whatsoever. I think it had more to do with screaming fangirls. I mean, yeah, that, really, I, that was going out to. I mean, it was. But that happens every time. Every time. Remember all everyone screaming over Tennant and oh, Matt Smith, he doesn't have any eyebrows or what the hell ever. <laughs> it always happens. It's you know? the regeneration cycle, you know. Yeah, but they didn't trust Capaldi to be able to handle it on his own. And that kind of made me sad. I think it was it was definitely like like John uh, said. There was a lot of backlash to an older Doctor because the younger audience has never experienced old Who, so they don't understand that the Doctor started out as like a sixty year old man. He was actually the same age. Actually, he was about a year younger than Capaldi, but he played an older. Yeah, he played a much like a much older guy, like. That was the thing, is that the audience has been exposed to this very... And I, one of the my biggest complaints about Moffat, it's a very sort of sanitized Hollywood version of Doctor Who. And they don't understand that, you know, Doctor is not supposed to be, you know, the Amber Crombie and Fitch model. And I think that's what they were trying to do with a lot of this dialogue, this episode, was, was to kind of... I don't want to say make up for past mistakes because Tennant, Smith, even Eccleston, I mean, they were great as who they were, but still the fact remains. The Doctor's been around for 2,000 years. Of course he's going to try to make some facade so that we all can trust him. So I I guess the thing that I, I did like is that they did go, you know, in, in the older direction, you know, with... With uh, with Capaldi, I think it's it's a good thing. I think 
that I think it's really going to work nicely. And um, I like that he's, you know, talking about, you know, making up for past mistakes, you know, because he has the doctor, the doctor's not perfect. He screws up a lot of people's lives, you know? Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe even though he's supposed to be darker, I think he might be a little more compassionate in some ways, if that makes sense. The things that I've liked about um, Moffat drawing things together, especially with, you know, sort of the way he's tried to make them overarching when he's had to, is uh, he sort of painted this picture of the last couple of regenerations of the Doctor, which I've always had, like, my own theories about it, but he's done this thing where Tennant was the Doctor who regrets, um, Smith was the Doctor who forgets, and then it was, it, he's sort of painting Capaldi like the Doctor who repents. Yeah. And oh, is, I, I, I like what you're doing there. I, I see that. I mean, yeah. it's something that they, I think they even came right out and said during Day of the Doctor. Um, but they didn't even, they said it during Day of the Doctor, but they also said it during this episode, which when you get to watch it, you'll see. Uh, Capaldi actually says, I've made some terrible mistakes, and now it's time, basically now it's time to atone for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's in the, I think that's in the trailer, too. I mean, so if, I, if you look at, if you look since, like, 2005, even, there's even something with Eccleston where it was sort of like, um, I had nicknames for them, where Eccleston was the daddy doctor, uh, Tenet was the boyfriend doctor, and then Smith was the best friend doctor. Just like, those are sort of like my classifications about how he dealt with his companions. Um, and now he's going to be more like the, um, the uh, grandpa doctor? I don't know. I think it's coming back around to that sort of like first doctor, uh, cranky grandpa kind of feeling, but I don't, I don't think so. I think I, that I, it's... I kind of got this feeling like he, I don't know, he he kind of seemed a little, I mean, it might have just been the post-regeneration trauma, but he seemed a little kind of, I don't know, a little, like, he's a little more out there. Like, he's a little, like, he's, like you can kind of tell, like, there's this being that's much beyond what we see, the, you know, the Doctor, what we see of the Doctor is all really just a facade. I think we can all agree on that. And but you can but I feel like the real doctor is much closer to the surface in him than any of the others. If that makes you can just see it right behind his eyes. I think it really depends on what your what incarnation we're talking about. Like I think uh, I think that that the doctor was a facade for Matt Smith. But if we're talking about say Tom Baker, I think that that doctor was very genuine. Oh yeah, yeah. He he was. But I, I feel like I, I kind of feel like you. I don't know what you other guys feel, but it just you can see there's something right behind his eyes, you know, right there. He's a little a little out there, a little, you know, if it's, that makes sense. It's not the eyes. It's them attack eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, what I, what I actually really liked about Matt Smith's Doctor was the moments you got to see behind the curtain. Um, the... War, for example, where he's... Uh... Yep, that was a really good example of it, and then um, my favorite glimpse beyond the curtain was probably The Girl Who Waited, was where he he has to shut the, the door against, and, you yeah. know, and he can't let her in, or else the world's going to end. And just the look on his face during that whole exchange uh, was just sort of it was a really nice glimpse beyond the curtain, which I really credit Matt Smith for. Yeah. It was a really good glimpse. But I think, uh, I would like to see a more genuine doctor because we've seen, you know, the sort of conniving doctor and I'm hiding things for your own good kind of doctor. I'm really looking forward to the, you know, this kind of snidely sarcastic Tom Baker, genuine oh, doctor. He was, he was downright rude to Clara. Yeah. I mean, he literally basically, there, there was a scene where they were in a restaurant and uh, and she thinks he's talking about him. He says something about, you know, there, there was an ad in a newspaper and, and Clara thought that he placed it. He says, well, only only a, you know, an egotistical game player would place an ad like that. And then they realized that neither of them placed it. And then she realized that he was talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> 
So. Uh, and I cut off through that scene. That was it. Was absolutely hysterical to watch. Oh, so with the fanning of the with the coat thing, and where it's like, oh, you can't smile until I do. Thanks. See, that's what I would look forward to that because, like, I, I I've had all these doctors where it's just sort of like, here is the veneer. You're never going to see what's beneath it. Only little tiny glimpses. I'm really ready for like a, a very genuine, sarcastic, in-your-face doctor. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see with Capaldi. Not so much of genuine, but actually figuring out who he is now. He, you know, prior to the events of Time of the Doctor, the Doctor thought he was going to die. Now he's given this whole new regeneration cycle to to do what he needs to do. I think we're going to see the doctor figuring out exactly who he is now after 2000 plus years of whatever the hell he does. Well, here, here's a, here's an interesting question. Um, cause I know it didn't happen for Matt Smith until a couple episodes in, but did, was there a moment in sort of this, this first episode where you, you looked at Peter Capaldi and you said, that is the doctor. Yes. Uh, it actually happens um, in the scene where he gets that smelly coat, um, where he discovers that he's actually Scottish. Um, also, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the guy who played the tramp, who Capaldi was talking with and got the coat off, was played by Elizabeth Sladen's widow, uh, Sarah Jane. Oh, that's Ooh. awesome. Um, it was... It was when he realized that he was Scottish was when Capaldi just took it right there. I'm Scottish. I can complain about things now. <laughs> so uh, what about you, RC? Did you have a moment like that? I think my biggest that's the doctor moment is when Clara is doing the face-off with the cyborg and she says if I if I know my doctor, he's got my back, and she reaches yep. behind herself, and he rips off the mask. Yes, and it's like that. This Absolutely. is this is Doctor Who. This is this is my doctor. Yes, the, the well, and and I think that was a good scene because that's when I felt like he like he was back from the regeneration crisis. It, the yes, crisis was over, and, and although the doctor, the doctor's always there. I almost feel like when he's in a regeneration crisis, he's actually not able to maintain his whatever veneer he has. That's that's what the doctor's actually like when he's in a regeneration crisis. Um, so and going back upon that point where uh, he pulls off the mask, so mm-hmm. the doctor gets his outfit from, uh, you know, a cyborg this time, I guess? No, no, that wasn't the same outfit. That was a that was the Victorian outfit he was wearing, and then well, I mean, I mean, he got it off that cyborg who had gotten obviously turned because he he clearly had you know disguised himself somehow. Well, he he ripped the skin off the guy's face. That's where he got the mask. It wasn't a mask; it was the actual guy's face. Oh no, I I get that. I'm just saying he had you know switched places with another one of those clockwork droids. With the outfit it was wearing, obviously the doctor can hold his breath for a long time um, and just waited. But, you know, he still got his new outfit from a semi-villain, I want to say. Yeah, but that wasn't the, the outfit he was wearing at the end. He was wearing a completely different outfit at the end. He was. It was yeah, it was a completely different from actually anything that we had seen. I mean, it might have been, you might have seen, I think he might have stolen the coat. No, that was a different coat. Was uh, it? it was a black coat that he was wearing when he was imitating the cyborg. It was, it's a dark blue coat that he's wearing. Uh, it's a different cut. Okay. No, she, she just, the TARDIS just shows up again and she runs in. He's already wearing his outfit. Remember, okay. and, she, and, he, and he puts his hand in the pocket and flips flips the, the coat tail so you can see the red and says, what do you think? And she never answers him what she thinks of it. <laughs> I, I also had a I, I I love how they give uh, Claire the ability to say or do things that others have done. Um, more specifically, every time someone 
sees the TARDIS who has seen it previously. Anytime someone comes in and sees it after a regeneration, the biggest comment is, oh, you've redecorated. I don't like it. Uh, We first saw that, I think, back in the, what was it, the Three Doctors? Yes. And now Claire is the one that gets to say that. So it was, it was, uh, it was amusing. And of course, Capaldi saying, well, I I think I need more round things on the walls. I have no idea where I get an affinity for those. (laughs) That's actually a good line. Clara did it impetuously. I don't think she was doing it to be genuine. I think she remembered that, uh, that the 10th doctor said that during, um, David doctor. And was just trying to be, you know, a snarky little bitch. Yeah, and I think that's going to be more of their relationship now. Is is a, maybe not quite as bad as Donna and Ken, but I think they're going to have a little more back and forth. I'm sorry, did you just say not quite as bad? You know what I mean. Because that was amazing. <laughs> I well, bad in a good way, like not quite as like as like not as snarky, you know. Because I lo- I love the relationship of Donna and the Doctor. Oh, don't talk to me about Donna. Donna Donna just breaks my heart every time I think about Donna. That was the saddest ending, and I give them all the credit in the world because that was extremely well acted. Uh, A toast, everybody, to Donna Noble. A toast. Toast, yes. Uh, Yeah, I have to say, though, I thought Deep Breath was one of of, uh, uh, Moffat's finest, you know, that he's written himself. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe not quite blank, but pretty close. Uh, it, it definitely is not as good as the 11th hour. Oh, that's a shame. For, um, you know, a new Doctor's book. Really? I would say better than a Christmas invasion, but okay. not as good as 11th hour. See, I didn't like the 11th hour, so that's not a ringing endorsement for me. <laughs> It's better than the eleventh hour. The eleventh hour, I felt was a yeah. It, it was, was okay. rushed. Yeah, and um, it had it had that one time the CSI zoom in on the Doctor Vision. Yeah, but, which I thought uh, they were going to do. I thought they were going to keep that, but I'm glad uh, they did. I'm so okay. glad they got rid of that. And um, during the Beast Below, but I don't think ever after that. Oh, because that was really, really annoying. Does anybody else feel like Deep Breath was kind of like Moffat's apology for the last half of the last season? Yes. By any chance? Yes. 100%. Here's the thing. Never take Moffat's apologies for the last half of the last season. He's been doing that for two seasons now, and I know exactly why. He seems... I, I can almost bet you if you track the filming dates of Sherlock, you will see the quality of Doctor Who drop sharply when the filming of Sherlock begins. He he is he is famous for dropping plot lines halfway through a season. You mean exactly uh which uh directing us back to deep breath. Missy. So this bitch. Oh, oh I you know you wanna hear all the theories that I've heard? Uh Missy is the master. Missy is older Clara, Missy is the Ronnie, Missy is Oh, Missy's can she be the Ronnie? Ooh, the Ronnie. Oh, come on. Every time there's a new mysterious female, we all have to figure that she's a Ronnie anyway. It's just or, a joke at this point. Or, I would love to see her identity, although she calls him my boyfriend, I would love to see it be uh, a reinc- or uh, an incarnation of the Doctor's daughter. That would be neat. Um, who was it? What, who was his one companion that was a Time Lord, and I can't remember her Rowena. name? Anna. Yeah, I was, I'm hoping it's her. It, it, I miss her. Mana, it, it could. I mean, but isn't she dead? With or she's trapped in the thing with the rest of the Time Lords? I mean, it depends on if you want to go with uh, Big Finish Audio and what is or what isn't canon. Listen, the Daleks have broken out of the Time Lock five or six times now. I think Romana can get out. <laughs> the the whole thing with the Daleks actually is uh, I read that if they are not appearing in at least one season, or at least an appearance in each season, that Terry Nation gets the rights back to the Daleks to him. So that would explain I, why they have to shove them in every season. Exactly. they got to find some way to shoehorn them in. Uh, the return of the death of the Christmas invasion of the Daleks to Britain. Yeah, it's, it's we're, we're running out of titles here. 
Like, they should just start, like, shoving Dalek as, like, extras in the background so that we don't actually have to deal with them as, like, the big bad anymore. Oh, look, there's a statue of a Dalek. Oh, uh... That'd be fine, because, like, Moffat-era Dalek have been really, really ham-fistedly shoved in there. Yeah. Well, I think that's because he has to do it just to appease the Terry Nation estate. Yeah. Like, Victory of the Dalek was probably one of the worst Dalek episodes I've ever seen. I love that episode. Largely because of the actor who cannot, for the life of him, act. Who played Winston Churchill. Dalek. He's played Winston Churchill before in other things. I know, which is sad because he's a very bad actor. And see, I think my favorite, at least in recent memory, just the episode titled Dalek with Rose before Moffat even got a hold of him. That was really, that was a really good episode because it, it I loved that episode because I didn't know what it was called going in. As long as you don't know what the title of the episode is, it's got a really great reveal. Yeah. Okay, and what about, um, to switch gears really quick, the, the Paternoster gang, the uh, Vostra and Jenny and Strax, they're always amazing every time. I love them. I absolutely love them. I, Strax has become, like, my hero. God, I love Strax. Uh, my favorite uh, exchange was uh, when Strax was just looking at Clara subconscious and implied that Clara's a big fan of gay porn. <laughs> or something, yeah. She at least, they, they were doing sport. Or at least she thinks they do. Uh, it would be nice. Dropped, I love when he, when he drops through the ceiling. Yes, that was great too. Scratched right down the ribbon and just splat right on the ground. And Dan Starkey, did anyone else watch the uh, BBC America after show with Chris Hardwick? Uh, All I can say is hashtag skin balloon. Um, how about when Strax just fucking threw the <laughs> right up at Clara's face and just boing? And we actually had the nice little sound effect, which was very nice. Or, or the fact that his, that his that his carriage apparently has a car alarm. Well, at least he's not carrying that little Thomas Thomas with him anymore. Yes, but uh, even, even Vastra and Jenny, you know, and and Jenny Jenny's standing there like like she's getting painted, and and Vastra turns it around, and it's one of those boards <laughs> with all the with the strings and all the the articles going around. She's like, "Why are you why are you making me pose that?" She's like, "Well, you brighten up the room, dear." Art. You know, I think my biggest problem with the the Jenny Vostra relationship is how often they try to remind us they're married. Like, almost mm-hmm. every scene together, married, married, oh, we're married! I get it. You're yeah. in reptile, relation, homosexual, lesbian thing. We get it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, changing gears a little bit here, let's talk about the new season um, what are some things that you're really looking forward to seeing from the new season? More Peter Capaldi and him being an awesome actor. I'm intrigued because there are rumors at this point circulating that Clara is actually stepping out at the Christmas episode. I heard that, yeah. So I'm wondering who they are going to get to replace her. I'd like I've to heard out. that rumor, but I've also heard that Peter Capaldi has said that that is just a rumor and it's not happening. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see more male companions. I mean, not just because I like men, but because I think that it's just it's just getting too cliched now. Beautiful young Earth girl from the exact time period that the show is airing. Yeah. I mean, the, the Doctor has had a plethora of companions before. Like, he's had, he's had children, he's had dudes... Like it, it, it would be just it would be really nice to actually get like a completely, uh, just non sequitur male companion that's not attached to the actual companion in some way. Well, I mean, if I've, they, it would be nice to see that. I mean, that would go back to uh, Doctor Two and Doctor Three with Jamie. Yeah. Who not only was not current era, not attached to the other companion, but was actually. If I remember the stat, he was actually the longest-running companion of all time. Yeah, he was actually on longer than Sarah Jane. Really, which is pretty. Yeah, he, he, he. I think it was he had more. He had he had more hours, but not more episodes, or something weird like that. But anyway, 
I mean, uh, we, we've only really gotten, in the, I think in the past couple of years, the only um, male companion that we've gotten that was not attached to the quote-unquote, like, legitimate female companion is Captain Jack Hartness. Right. I would love to see him back. Oh my God. I would love to have John Barrowman back. I think he's on Arrow now, though, so I don't think that's going to work. Somehow he's back on Arrow. We won't even talk about that kind of bullshit. Oh, yeah. Well, he's on Arrow, and uh, the woman, oh, I can't, I will always forever think of her as River Song, is on Arrow as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, she's yes, his yeah. wife. Isn't she? Plays, um, uh, she's someone's the wife. Daughter, the mother of uh, the police chief. Yeah. That's but, right. um, awesome if she. Th- yes, apparently they, while, while on set, they were discussing how awesome it would be to have the Jack and River show, which would make me cry with happiness. It would just be innuendo twenty four seven. They would just be flirting, constant nonstop flirting. <laughs> He'd be at, well, no, it would be constant flirting. He'd be going off doing something somewhere with someone. Um, coming back, and he'd ask, she'd ask what was going on, and he would simply look at her and say spoilers, and that would be the end of the episode. Cue <laughs> laugh track. Can, can we add in Shakespeare from that one episode? <laughs> and 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 uh, I believe it's that Shakespeare. Yeah, like just the same exact guy because he was hot. Oh, and 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 Vincent, we gotta add uh, yeah, gotta add, add Vincent Van Gogh in there too. Uh, as we, long as we leave out the we, a, a really obnoxious plot about the giant space chicken. Okay, but but other than that, I love that episode. That episode is amazing, if only for the last five minutes. But everything before that sucks ass. Um, well, I like I like the actor that played Vincent. He was pretty good. The guy who played Vincent is amazing, but the story was terrible. Ass. There's a giant space chicken trapped in a house. Yes, but anyway, uh... it's almost it. It was sort of just like they were like throwing darts at a dartboard in that season. It was just like. The doctor is going to fight a giant space blank. And they threw a dart at a dartboard, and one time they got whale, and the next time they got chicken. Well, they couldn't do a space whale after Douglas Adams killed the whale. Well, they yeah. did do. They they did the giant tentacle. Well, yeah, they did do the... the well, and then they did the big whale, too. That space whale. That was annoying. One uh, of my favorite terrible. season seven episodes, though, was... And, and not everyone agrees with me, but I love dinosaurs on a spaceship. And, uh... One of the main reasons I loved it was Nefertiti and that uh, big game hunter dude. I, I thought that was just an amazing thing. I was like, why can't he just have companions, random companions like that too? Like, oh, you know, a, a, an Egyptian queen and a big game hunter from the 1800s who bicker with each other. That would be awesome. Why it would he- be. It would be really, really neat. They uh, like. I was really excited thinking they were going to do something like that with uh, Madame du Pompadour. But then, like, they're just like, oh no, she died. Like you, you have a time machine. Can anyone going back to just random companions and actually back to the Paternoster gang for a second? I the first episode I remember seeing them in obviously was um, a good man goes to war. Yep. So, did we get an introduction to them somewhere else in a novel, in a comic, in a radio drama, or did they just randomly show up with a, a, a screwed up Santaran? I it honestly was, think they just showed up. Yeah, it was it was an un, it was an unshown adventure. I I kind of get the impression though that it was actually probably the tenth Doctor that that saved Vastra because she knows about regeneration and she says, "Here we go again." So I think the tenth Doctor is probably actually the one who who she originally met. I mean, in in a Good Man Goes to War, they very much hint that she has a, past, a deep past relationship with the Doctor. Because yeah. she knows intimate stuff about his people and how they came to be the way that they are, and like I would actually like to see some more of that with Capaldi going back and exploring that, Good. going back into that history. Because I mean, it's not going to be the first time we've seen the Doctor living out of order with someone. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, episode. Episode idea pitch. He goes. He goes back in time. He goes to. He goes to the. He, okay. He picks up Amy, and goes back and is actually in the events of Fires of Pompeii, as the guy that he played that Capaldi played. And Amy is the. Wouldn't that be awesome? Tell me that would not. Yeah, be but awesome. doesn't she die at the end of that? 
Yeah, she sure is in the fires of Pompeii. And also, it turns out that the version of Amy that he picked up is actually the Roddy the whole time. And then, like, um, there were they did that a lot. They did that a lot where they just they ended up casting a lot of different extras, like uh, Gwen, who would eventually be in Torchwood, was actually on the Dickens episode. Uh, I think it's like well, the, they, the episode they, of the they explained that. I pretty much figured they would. I didn't see much of Torchwood, but I figured, like, there was actually a connection. They actually explained that at the end, or at the, uh, and the, actually the same crossover episode with, um... The Stolen Earth. Thank you. Thank you. But then, uh, Freema Agumon was actually in Doctor Who, and then came back in Doctor Who. And they said that was her cousin. Um... But the Sixth Doctor actually, uh, Colin Baker actually played a guard in a, I believe in a fourth or fifth, I think a fifth Doctor episode. Yep. Uh, and uh, and also uh, the gal that played Romana. Uh, 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 Romana actually, too, the the second Romana regen. Yeah, yeah, but she played some princess of some sort, and they actually comment on her taking that. That it's not nice to take someone else's face or something like that. I remember that, because that was the episode where Romana is like... They treat her regeneration like she's trying on new bodies. Yeah. It, well, was, it, uh, it was during the first part of the Key of Time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I think I think the, that they were just trying to be silly, but if you want to explain it in universe, then you could probably say that if you willingly regenerate, you, you have control over it. What is if it, if you... If you're doing it because you're dying, you don't have any control over it. But I think I think the doctor might have some control over it subconsciously. They kind of hinted that in this episode. Yeah, when he's talking about I've seen this I've seen this face before. Where have I seen this face before? Going yeah. back again to the fact that Capaldi was a major character in Fires of Pompeii. And not only that, but Children of Earth too. True. I mean, if we're if we're going to go to the fact that, but uh, uh, Children of Earth, the Doctor was not part of Children of Earth. That was specifically Torchwood. It's still during the RTD uh, Russell T Davies kind of overloaded the whole universe. I mean, it's always implied that this is still during the Doctor's time, uh, especially during the aforementioned Miracle Day, which none of us should ever talk about because it's awful. Um, you know, it's still there in the, the timeline. The Caldi was still there during Children Birth. Sure, but the doctor never saw him, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, unfortunately, Torchwood sort of muddies a lot of the timeline up, and I am perfectly okay with us cutting all almost all of its events out and just pretending that it doesn't exist. Hmm. There were some really good episodes of Torchwood. I don't know. A lot of it was just an excuse to just put people in metal bikinis and put barbecue sauce on them. And, and you have a problem with that because... Well, yeah, because it was a chick. Not supernatural. There, there are some boys in metal bikinis too, so... Well, there was a... Like, gay sex does not a, a television show make, unfortunately. True. There needs to be consistent plotting and character development. And... and I mean, that, that's this sort of just, dist- it's, you have, when you're a showrunner, you have different shows that distill the worst characteristics of your abilities, and in my humble opinion, Doctor Who is is that for Stephen Moffat, and Torchwood was that for Russell T. Davies. I still think that he does a good job, but, uh... I think he does a good yeah. job when he cares, and then... For some reason, halfway through the season, or at the beginning half of the season, and with regards to Series 5, he just gives up. Like, you, we, there is a remarkable drop in quality in, at the halfway point of every season. Um, and you can all, I can almost pinpoint exactly... Uh, series 6, I think, was the last full series I watched because I just watched some of Series 7 and I wasn't impressed. And the ending of Series 6 was so disappointing and it made me angry. Was, when, that, was that the rebooting the universe one? 
That was uh, the the wedding of River Song, which was just like we're going to throw every single idea that we have at the wall, and we'll see what sticks. And it doesn't matter if our plot line is muddy and ridiculous. We'll just keep throwing our everything at the wall. And yet it, the episode was atrocious and completely amazing at the exact same time. I, I would loved, I loved it. I lo- well, no, at the, at the exact same time, I loved it and I hated it. I loved the con. I've always been a sucker for parallel universes, which really that translated into. But then at the same time, yeah, it's very definitely. I when I when we get back to deep breath and I see a dinosaur walking along the Thames, I'm suddenly thinking we're back getting ready to marry River Song off again. But it's just like one of the first day. It's like wait, wait, what episode am I watching here? That's mm-hmm. exactly what ran through my mind. One one of the things that I really just. I hated about I hate about Moffat's run of the show is that he is not a management person. He is an idea guy. He will always be an idea guy. So he has really good ideas, but the problem is that once those ideas run out, the show has nothing to keep it moving. Like my favorite example of this is Let's Kill Hitler. I love Let's Kill Hitler. I don't see how you could. I have no idea. It is some of the worst writing I've ever seen on Doctor Who. Hitler in the cupboard and, and, and Mel's and... Yeah, their magical best friend that no one ever spoke of before and never will speak of again, who appears out of nowhere. That was on purpose. It was intended to be that way. That was not on purpose. That was nowhere near on purpose. That was so lazy I could have seen it from the Hubble telescope. That was so clearly not on purpose. It was a writer saying, oh shit, we need to explain River Song's existence here post-haste uh, right in a magical best friend that no one ever thought of before. I gotta, I just, yeah, I, got, I have to agree with that. Because Melis was part of the episode for all of, what, like eight minutes? Eight minutes, and then she died and was River Song. Like, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Russell T. Davies... There are bad episodes of Davies' run of Doctor Who. I will, you will never, you will never hear me say that there isn't. There is always the, the, end, of time. the end of time, which is it, it's bad, and I'll be the first one to say it's bad. And then there is the monsters sp- and lovers, or whatever it is. Oh God, the ELO, the ELO episode. Yeah, that one, that one was terrible. And then oh, there's God. Um, the one with the spaceship powered by love. Uh, these are <laughs> all bad episodes, but the problem is. Every single one of them was still tolerable. Not a single one of them made me angry. Because they were still obviously trying. They just were trying with a bad idea. Where, like, Let's Kill Hitler is indicative of this thing in Moffat's writing where it goes, it gets better and better and better and better, and it gets to the best point of the series halfway through... And then it immediately tanks, and the quality just goes straight to shit. Well, I I don't like every I like I really didn't like the Curse of the Black Spot. I mean, oh that was that was bad. That one was silly. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But th- that's like uh, there are a lot of especially in C- C- series five. Series five was unfortunately the worst of the Moffat era. I still don't think there was anything in it that made me angry. I think there were things in it that made me go, well, that's that's stupid. But Series 6 was where, like, it actually pissed me off. Yeah. Plus, uh, the, uh, the Vampires of Venice I didn't like. Um, I liked Vampires of Venice. I thought it was cute, if nothing else. Um, I, the- I, I think my biggest one was Amy's Choice. Which one was that again? That was the they go in and they have a or they it was they're traveling in space and they keep falling asleep and waking up into equally deadly scenarios. Oh yeah. Lord, I was this. I was going through this, going, okay, this is a filler episode. Nothing more. They need they needed forty eight pages to fill an episode. This truly served no point. That, that, uh, I, I have to disagree with that when it comes to Amy's choice and uh, when it comes to the Dream Lord. I think it absolutely served the point. It, it showed Doctor. Exactly. Go ahead. Uh, no, what you were going to say, it showed 
the doctor where he was almost most vulnerable. Yes, and it, and it showed it showed like the Dream Lord almost was what the doctor would be if you ripped away the the veneer of the dashing, as as Voster put it, your dashing young man. You know, the, the Dream Lord was the doctor's true self. But getting getting back to sort of like what I my my overall point was, is that this season I'm really hoping to sort of see Moffat commit. And commit all the way. Like, not just give up halfway through a season. And I, I'd really like to see some of his, his less desirable writing characteristics go away. Well, and, and, and I'm kind of excited. Like, I, I think, I, I kind of like um, uh, Robot, Robot Sherwood, I think it's called, or Robot Sherwood. Sounds like it sounds really interesting. Um, that's, that's supposed to be the one where, you know, the with uh, Robin Hood. Um, that sounds like fun. And Money on the Orient Express? Not. That's an old movie, actually, now that I think about it. That title is from an old movie. Oh, <laughs> well, I think this one's more like a space mummy or something. I'm not sure. Because mm-hmm. um, they're always space mummies. I'm oh, telling no. you, they just have a giant space blank and they throw a <laughs> thing at a dartboard. Well, that was funny because there was there was that there was that uh, one episode where at the very end uh, he answers the phone and says so, and, and says something like yeah, yes your Ma- your Majesty yes you know uh, something on the Orient Express yes I'll be right there so I wonder if this ties into it at all. I've uh, seen the next episode. It's entitled Into the Dalek, and let me tell you, boys, you will love it. So they're gonna do they're gonna do Daleks too. That's good. I don't know. My, my, at the mention of Daleks, my eyes have a tendency to roll, and I can't stop them. Well, from what I've heard uh, from from free, you know, little bits I've heard about it, it's definitely a different take on Daleks. So I don't know. The last time we saw a different take on Daleks, we did get Dalek tentacle hentai. <laughs> well, I really like I really like Asylum of the Daleks. That was an excellent episode. Uh, I, 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 it was okay. Uh, I didn't hate it. I hated everything that was happening with the characters, but everything else was kind of okay. Um, I mean, the Muppets take Manhattan. I mean, the Daleks take Manhattan, or whatever the hell, or no, the Angels. That was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. Um, so bad. Uh, I really didn't like uh, the character development between uh, Rory and Amy in Simon of the Dalek. Mm-hmm. Because it was just like, she's like, I treated you horribly and got a divorce with you because you want children and I can't have them. You can adopt, bitch. Well, that's exactly what they ended up doing during uh, Postscript. Uh, yeah, but like that, that was like that was my problem with was you starting off on the wrong foot because you're trying to make Amy seem selfless when that was really a very stupid poorly thought out way to handle the situation. Right? But that was Amy. That was Amy. That was like the core of her character. Everything everything that she did was, or I won't say everything, but so much that she did, especially in the very beginning, was very, very self-serving. Yeah, she and, she got very selfish. She got less selfish and then more selfish out of nowhere. Like, she had a character arc and then the character ball rolled right back down the hill. Well, and you got to remember that that from, from their point of view, they they basically spent what ten or more years of their lives uh, traveling off and on with the doctor. So they 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 weren't the same people in that episode that they were just in the episode before. Many several years had gone by, mm-hmm. so so they had changed. But my my main problem with that episode was. Sure, there were there were like time fishers over New York, so he couldn't go back or whatever. Why couldn't they have just waited a couple of years and say travel to England and had had him, had him pick them up there? I don't know. That would have made sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 the problem is that like there are times where that happened and they don't bother to explain it. 
just be like, oh, like if they had said something like, oh no, uh, they uh, were locked in this sort of thing or that sort of thing, like you can probably think of something, but like it was like the, my my complaint with the episode about Madame de Pompadour was just like he, he's sitting there watching her funeral, and I'm like, you have a magical box that will literally take you to where you were just speaking there. Fixed point in space, or whatever. Fixed point in time, whatever you want to call it. There's always things. I mean, you can always bring her back to die. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about time, is that when you can travel through it, she can leave and come back, and it will only have been a second to those experiencing linear time. Yeah, but let's not forget that the Doctor kind of sucks at, you know getting to that exact point in time where he needs to go. Sure, but he doesn't even try. So it's well, just like... Yeah, because then he can, he couldn't be a whoopee if he didn't. Pretty much. Like, that's... That's the thing. Like, that's just like, just don't just don't shove that crap on me. Like, it's just give me something to believe in. But then but then you can't have, have big tenant sad puppy dog eyes. Uh, we could have done with a few less of those, I'll, I'll be honest. question for you guys, just going off on the Clara possibly leaving rumor, as it were. If Clara does leave, I would you like to see a brand new companion, or would you like to see a, the return of an old companion? I already know that there's a, a new companion coming in with Clara during the season. That Danny, I think his name is? That's a really good name for a boyfriend. Danny Pink, actually. Thanks. Did you really just pimp your boyfriend up on my on my podcast, John? Our podcast. <laughs> so yes. So Wait. yeah, I would I would like to see some old companions return. Like I would like to see you know who I would love to see come back? Ace. Ace uh, would be amazing. Didn't she become a time lord or something in the book? She was supposed to be. Uh, no, but I believe she was uh, name dropped during the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, uh, created so, a, a charity called uh, a Charitable Earth or something like that. She in the in the books. Um, or, I'm sorry, not in the books. She was supposed to become a Time Lord in the show. In the books, I think there is a book series where she does go in for training. Um, this is a good point to remind our audience that a Time Lord is not a species; it is a rank. Um, Gallifreyan, is a Gallifreyan is a species, Time Lord is the rank. So technically, a human could become a Time Lord as long as they were exposed to the Temporal Schism. Which is uh, kind of what happened to, uh, to Riverside. Yep. Because uh, well, no, the French did the bonch, bump, 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 well, they were being um, in the Time Lord tax. But, but I, I kind of got the feeling that Riversong wasn't fully a Time Lord. She was just kind of halfway there. She probably doesn't have all the abilities they do. She has the regenerations. Um, uh, she probably doesn't have the physiology, and she probably doesn't have the psychic ability. Yeah, well, and, and that's a good reason to explain why the first Doctor only had one heart, because you don't get the two hearts until your first regeneration, because that's when you fully become a Time Lord or something yep. like That is when you actually get the Time Lord physiology, is the second regeneration. Oh, I seem to have missed that. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's not official, but it's only going to make sense. It's, I think it's fan conjecture. I don't think it's an actual, like... I don't think it's, like, an actual canon explanation, but it's it's a good one. Yeah, um, but because the first Doctor mentioned at one point that he, only, that he had... Some, he said something about his heart. All right, so uh, we're running short on time, so we're going to close up the discussion now. Uh, let's start with URC. Um... Let's just get your final thoughts and what you thought about the episode and what you think it sort of brings for New Who, what you're excited about with it. Well, in 100 words or less, um, I'm, I'm actually very, very excited finally to have the season back. Um, we've been waiting a very long time for this, um, so I'm very excited to, to be back in the swing of things with Doctor Who. Um, I'm excited to see what Capaldi brings to the series. Um, I'm intrigued to see where they're going, um, considering Moffat just basically broke all of the rules <laughs> in giving uh, a new series of regenerations, but that's nothing new for Moffat. So. That's actually not anything new for Doctor Who either. It's happened to the Master once or twice. True, true. But 
I'm just kind of I'm intrigued to see where this goes, and I'm intrigued to see what they're what they're going to do with uh, with not only Capaldi but where they're going to try to take Clara, as well as who is the mysterious woman with the umbrella. Okay, Jared, what about you? Same question. I loved everything about it. I love the new direction that it feels like it's going in terms of character development. Um, I'm excited to see what everything comes out of it. Um, both in terms of Clara, what they do with the enemies, and just who exactly the Doctor is now. Excellent, excellent. All right, Jonathan, what about you? Well, I'm I'm excited to kind of get back. I feel like this is going to get back to more just one-shot adventures. I just, I just, I, I kind of get tired of the overarching, uh, you know, plots. I, sometimes I just want an adventure where, you know, they, uh, referencing a future episode, they pull a heist on a, on, on a future space bank. Why not? You know, just, I just want some good fun episodes where they're running around and, 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 and you know, not too much, um, uh, you know, angsty emotion, not too much, you know, of that. I just want a good, fun adventure episode. Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't think you're getting that. <laughs> uh, Sadly, I don't think you're going to get that. But um, I, I am going to give this new series a chance because there is a new Doctor and that might have prompted the writing team to step their game up. Um, so I'm going to give this new series a chance. I'm really looking forward to them... I'm really looking forward to seeing a rise in the quality of the writing um, that I've sort of lamentably not seen. Uh, I'm hoping that they're going to take a lot of the stuff that uh, Old Who never got to do because of uh, who was running the BBC at the time. Um, I'd really actually like to see some... What happened? I would think John Nathan Turner. Yeah, where he, he just just screwed over everything that had to do with Doctor Who. Um, I'd really like to see something like, uh, I don't know if you guys know what it is, but the Cartmel Master Plan. Uh, yes. I'd, I'd really love to see that come back, uh, because it would, ex- like, be such a really good marrying of old and new Doctor Who. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Cartmel Master Plan was a projected trajectory for Doctor Who, which would reveal, um sort of his initial origins and there's a lot of intricacies in it that I'm not going to get into because it involves looming and all that jazz but um, Time Lord mythology and stuff like that Uh, but yeah I'm really hoping that we get to see a, a sort of more marrying of less sanitization more marrying of the two halves of new and old who and we have run out of time for this week's Bear Pile. Uh, join us in two weeks and we will have something equally berry and equally nerdy to talk about. Uh, but until then, uh, I'm your Yeti and I have enjoyed having this wonderful discussion of Doctor Who. I want to thank always my lovely co-host Jonathan Moore. Uh, yeah, thanks Yeti. And uh, guys, I've started a webcomic if you guys want to see it. Uh, you can go to CodyTheCub.com, brand new website. So I'm excited. Excellent. New, every Monday, new comic. Excellent, thank you. And I want to thank uh, Jared for being here. Thank you very much, Jared. This is Jared Weeder, and I have absolutely nothing to plug. <laughs> uh, and thank you very much for being here with us today, R.C. Oh, absolutely glad to be here. Um, as far as plugs for anybody who may not know me, I'm actually the secretary for Steel Valley Bears out of uh, Youngstown, Ohio, uh, svbears.org. And uh, coming in October, we're getting ready to start up our 2014-2015 uh, event season. Please, if you're in the area, stop by for an event. Uh, check us out at svbears.org. So, hope to see you. Half a geek bears in Ohio, so... Yeah, they should be visiting out there. Uh, As always, we would like to thank the wonderful group of Geeky Bears for making this possible. If you you have any money that you want to give over to us, uh, you can go to (laughs) 
www.geekybears.com and there you can donate there and uh, help the site run a little faster and it helps us produce better content in the future and hopefully make this a little bit more flashy you know with uh, sound effects and um, yeah. I don't know a Lamborghini something uh, yeah uh, and if you're looking to find me uh I produce a weekly serial on Tumblr. Uh, it is uh, badmoonband.tumblr.com. Again, that's badmoonband.tumblr.com, and you can check me out there. And you can also follow me at Twitter at the Bad Moon Band uh, at Twitter, which I post not only updates about the story, but basically any updates that come into my head. Uh, but yeah, we've run out of time for today. So I want to thank you for listening and join us in two weeks when we will have something geeky and berry to discuss with you again. But in the meantime, bye-bye, bears. Bye. Good night. Good night.